What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. What's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we are back with another episode. This is our gauntlet weekend still. We're, we're, we're just crushing out podcasts here. So I think this is six or seven? This is six. Six of eight or nine that we're doing this weekend. So yeah, we are in the gauntlet. It's Sunday though. It's a new day. So we're Sunday. all rested, ready to go. Uh, but this, this next guest is actually over the pond, you might say. Well, it didn't very used to recently, be very, very recently, recently over the pond. So we have a lot of cool things to talk about. Um, but uh, this individual has also been to Gravel Worlds a few times, which is where um, we kind of became friends and got to know each other a little bit more. And then he happened to also win uh, the Long Voyage 300 this year in commanding fashion, which was really cool to see. Uh, he's also at the beginning of 2023, he won the new Barry Roubaix 100. Uh, and then before COVID, he had lots of wins on on road bike, but we don't talk about road, right? <laughs> this isn't a road podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Gino Villafano. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for finally getting me on. <laughs> no thanks for being on jason you mentioned that we had originally um found gino at gravel worlds but if we throw it all the way back originally we connected with him through tiktok i'm pretty sure i was trying to i think that's correct right i, I we like messaged on tiktok maybe or i followed you and commented i don't but at some point yeah, no, i think no. tiktok led led to you coming to gravel worlds 2022 yeah i think you invited me in a comment on tiktok and i was like oh who is what is this? And then, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, I had recently um, bailed out of, I had an injury early season that I bailed out of Unbound. Uh, and I was like, I need another long race to do to like, to try and make a comeback. And yeah, when I looked, when I looked you guys up, I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I even knew you were coming like we had like messaged back and forth or commented back and forth on tiktok but i don't think i actually knew you were coming until i saw like your tiktok of you unloading your bike at the lincoln airport in uh -huh. the, which uh if you uh if you know his tiktoks and his instagram he rides everywhere and so when he came to gravel worlds he actually like un loaded his bike at the Lincoln airport, put his bike together and then put his luggage in his bike bag and rode to the hotel. <laughs> like just classic. Uh, do you, do you, I mean, you do stuff like that all the time, right? Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I would say if it came out, it started with just me being kind of a broke PhD student and just minimizing the cost for, you know, hobbies like this. Trying to, trying to keep it as low budget as possible. So cheap hotel, like uh, always using an, an uh, airport ninja, like an aura case to fly. So I don't have to pay for taking my, taking my bike on planes and then just not buying taxis uh, as often as, a, as often as possible and 
I'm in a lot of the places where gravel races are held, no offense to the public transportation system, but it's not like I'm going to be like catching trains or trams or buses yeah. most of the yeah. places. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm flying in and I'm just trying to plan out how, how difficult is it going to be for me to build my bike at the airport and then like ride to wherever I have to be. Um, and the, it, it's like totally feasible, really. The only kind of weird, uh, thing is that it's very windy out there and yeah. i am basically <laughs> basically riding riding in a big open airfield with my aura case on my back which is like having <laughs> a, a wind sail uh, so it's awkward um but but really feasible and yeah a lot of it was driven by trying to just be frugal and then it sort of came more of a challenge to myself to just stay as uh self-propelled as possible at this you, point. You least. and your fiance actually took that to another level when you rode your bikes <laughs> to your wedding and then rode home. Tell us about that experience. <laughs> yeah, recently. I guess this, this story is that we, uh, so we're planning this move to Germany and we were kind of getting screwed over and scared with the visa application stuff. And it would have been sort of challenging for us to go as separate non-married individuals and so we we're like oh, let's get married <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's like make this, let's get this make this official um and that's not to say like you know we don't we don't love each other it's not we it's <laughs> yeah, not the same like uh, that we only did this because listening. of this <laughs> but we were let's like finally make this official you know and so we decided to have a goofy little spur of the moment wedding where we packed up our our dog Maku and in, in my backpack and rode up to the venue and met a couple friends to, <laughs> that observed us and yeah rode back because <laughs> I don't know, it just epitomizes like everything that we that we kind of are as a couple yes. right now in the moment with the dog and the, and the riding and the making zero plans but doing everything. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Did I, you did you paint your bikes white? <laughs> white and black. <laughs> oh man. If we had yeah, if we had if we were a little bit better planning, we probably would have yeah, made a chain of <laughs> what was it like cans or something just to then all of our neighbors oh, yeah, would have painted those. Cans in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um I guess so like kind of going back a little bit to like how we met, you have uh over a hundred thousand followers and quite a few followers on Instagram as well. How would how would you – I started following it because I find it really entertaining and it's funny and lighthearted uh, most of the time. Uh, so how would you describe, like, your content online if somebody if no, somebody had never heard of, of what you do? Um, it's, it's definitely a bit of a mix because I have – I'm riding and, and training and traveling a lot, and so – I have videos pertaining to that training rides or me riding two places. I, I don't like to call them training rides, but I just, I like riding and exploring on my bike. So there's a lot of content that I personally care about. That's just like me and Becca traveling and riding bicycles. Uh, and then there's race content. And then there's the most famous part of my social media <laughs> repertoire, which is, <laughs> I have just like horrible ADHD when I'm riding and I'm constantly scanning the ground and like looking at uh, kind of categorizing all the trash. 
um, in my head and will occasionally be like, oh, that, that looks, that looks like it's still full and <laughs> I will go stop and, and pick it up and potentially consume it depending on the circumstances. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had, I, they used to only be embedded in the longer rides that I did. Like when I kind of got started and started going viral with some of my videos, it was because early on in the video, I had like picked up an onion off the ground and bit into it. And it didn't, it literally <laughs> didn't occur to me like why this video was going viral. Cause I'd been doing this people that had followed me on Instagram. I'd been doing this forever, like going on these crazy long rides and showing what I was finding on the ground. But then I started spun, spinning them off into short series of just the things that I would find instead of only having them embedded into these long rides. And that sort of helped build build a more consistent following because that content is it's, it's interesting to me and it's interesting to a lot of people and it's funny and it's uh, <laughs> it touches on a lot of weird aspects of like culture based on what you find yeah. where you are in the in the country and just what it says about our infrastructure and our treatment of the roads and stuff. So there's lots of fun discussions in the comments and though you should definitely, you should def definitely like go to some of those videos and read the comments. They're, they're hilarious. It has been, it's, it, it, I love following it. Cause like every time you stop for whatever it is, like sometimes it's like candy or a beer, maybe it's like, I'm like, is it, is it open? Cause if it's open, then you just throw it away. But if it's like unopened and looks sealed, then you, you like actually like eat it or drink it or whatever. And I was like, it's just so much fun. Uh, but then, you yeah, you recycle great... a full bottle, you know, that's right. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's right. So I'm curious, what does your personal for you page look like on TikTok? Ooh, great question. Um, oh God, this is weird. I mean, it's, it's gotta be weird, right? <laughs> like everyone's is weird, but mine, at, I want to say at the moment, but it's actually been like this for a while now. I had at some point gotten into watching these like sort of rural Asia uh, makers, just they're really popular channels, but they're basically just a couple people out in really rural um, Asian countries, various countries, sort of daily, lo daily life, making, fixing things, cooking things from scratch. And it is put to this put to these really harmonic um earworm like chinese music songs and it's just it's mostly that and it's 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 um one of those things that i really can't explain as well as you could just look <laughs> up like rural, rural rural chinese um like where they're trend. making like it's handcrafted teapots and stuff like that type like i've seen that i get that quite a bit but that might be more like japanese i get the like like the really artisan craftsman that, you know yeah. where it's like no, it's not that artisan it's like not that. it's like hacking together a, a lunch from from some neighbors like, like trading trading foods grown in one yard to the other yard and then hacking together oh, awesome. a lunch that like looks really delicious or fixing so, like what uh, like how a... you kind of live your life like yeah. you live your life like how <laughs> yeah. frugal can i be but still like awesome kind of thing i think that's actually maybe that's why i'm i'm so drawn to it because it's like these people with so many less means and tools doing really like making and doing really cool things 
that's probably why I like it. Yeah, everything's awesome. a hack, you know, like every everything's makeshift, and uh, that that's a good portion of my for you page. And then the other that's one awesome. is like, I have a couple cyclist friends that I follow and think are funny. Uh, Danny Enzo, uh, who's just like purely e bike Zwift racer, and he has like he's not Pure, professional wait, at he's all. An he's an e bike just... Zwift racer. <laughs> yes, and his videos are <laughs> amazing. <What? laughs> Isn't that like completely counterintuitive to what <laughs> how you're supposed to do it? <laughs> well, no, no, sorry, sorry, not, 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 he's not running an electric bike, but he, it, it's oh, just oh, like oh, okay, virtual racing. My bad. I thought you, I thought you said he called me out as cheating. Yeah, I was like, wait, he's he's that guy that passes me at 25 miles an hour up up to Zwift. Okay, I got it. Yeah, he's slammed. He like battery swaps on the fly. He'll go for hours. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's how you get DQ'd. I think uh, from those world title or whatever. <laughs> like, that's amazing. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so, I, like, uh, just a general like question. We we haven't had too many people like with big followings and stuff what has that like been like like almost i'm almost thinking like on your mental side of your life like trying to live your life online and getting more followers like how do you balance that because we talk like there's so much talk in the media of like what social media does to your brain and and you you have a very good brain which we'll get into a little bit later (laughs) of um you're you're very intelligent you have your phd um so like What's that been like for for you on your journey? Um, yeah, it's something that I've, I've definitely thought about a lot because I've I've been asked the question about like building followings on social media by people, and it's sort of hard to answer because I feel like the the act of documenting came first for yeah. me. So. And social media was is just the sharing grounds for it. So, like, since I was a kid, I was filming me and my cousins playing, like, making stupid videos. And so, and a really young purchase, I, like, saved up and bought a DS, DSLR. Like, this is, like, right when DSLRs were a thing. Like, started to be a, a yeah. commercial thing. And so I was, like, this, I don't know how old I was, 10, 12, something, like, with a DS, DSLR, like, it was wow. like a one megapixel camera. Uh, but but anyways, I've always been pretty, it's like part of my life. And so at this point, as an adult, the, the documentation sort of like taking photos and videos doesn't feel, or it feels perfectly natural to me. And even a lot, like a lot of people that, that I've been around are like, oh, I don't even, don't even notice you filming. Like I don't don't even notice you doing it. And so in that way, it doesn't put an extra mental burden on me. Or maybe I already have the mental burden of being like, I should be recording this. Like, it's already just part of my subconscious. And so sort of filming and making stories, shareable stories out of my life comes pretty naturally at this point. And the the kind of cool benefit to me of starting to have a following because I was posting stuff that people started being interested in is that I find myself creating like a, like a positive feedback loop more often than I feel myself pressured or negatively pressured. And what I mean by that, it's like, 
I, I'm, I'm pressuring myself to do interesting things because I know that there's a group of people that will like follow it and appreciate it and potentially be inspired by it. And so I, like when you're, I don't know, kind of feeling down or lazy or out of, out of motivation, having a, a following that, that has an expectation set for you to be doing interesting things is like, all right, you know, like we can, we can ride to Poland today. Like we, <laughs> it, it, it yeah. is a, it's a motivating factor. And because my sort of the brand that I built for myself is something that I actually, it, it's like, it's not outside of me. It's, it's, I'm not being someone else when it, I'm like, online. It's almost like you, you've built a platform that's so you that it encourages you to do more things rather than. <laughs> exactly. Than, what about like on, cause it, you, you have posted some times, like if people leave like bad comment, like really mean comments and stuff, like what about the negative side of that? Like have, are you just able to kind of block it out, address it, move on? Or, uh, because that, that, that can be really difficult too. Yeah. The, the, I, I have to, I have to say, as far as the internet goes, I feel like I have a pretty cool group of followers that are That's more awesome. supportive than negative. So there's so much more positivity in the comment sections, especially about me than, um, then there is negativity, but the, the things that I've specifically commented or commented on stuff, like made videos out of is people on TikTok who, uh, comment about poisoning me, like intentionally, like being yeah. like, Oh, look, you're, you're finding things on the ground. I am going to, and it's exactly as explicit as this. It's, I'm going to poison you. Like I'm going to put something on the ground to trick you. And my general response is usually like, like, yo, remember we're both humans. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right. think about, think about what you're saying. Um, you're, you're being like, Hey, I'm going to do someone harm with literal, literally like no context or awareness of if it actually did them yeah. harm or something like, and they're always joking. You know, they're always joking, but I'm just, I'm like trying to occasionally, I think I only have like two or three videos about this, but like point out that by, by like, by creating, uh, that fear, like trying to create that fear in other people, like you're not yeah. doing humanity or all of us any yeah. harm by, by making other people yeah. think that other people are bad people. Like I like to think that everyone's good people. And so like, don't spread that on, on my, don't spread that kind of like hatred on my, on my social media because yeah, you're always, it's you're better always so if we're positive. all optimistic. Yeah. You're yeah. always so positive. Like you turn those that, and that, that's kind of what I was pushing at is like, you take these negatives and turn them into a positive of be like, Hey, like, this isn't cool. Let's like be nice to each other. Like it's not that hard. Um, so yeah, that that's really cool. Um, and it's also kind of inspiring that like the creation came first and then it just happened. Like the thing that you love to do, like other people enjoyed, like that's, that shows a lot about you. That's something that you love. People enjoy following and stuff. So props to you and creating that community. And, yeah. um, I personally enjoyed following your, your adventures and, it's always so, so strange and maybe you, you experience this too. And Sophia and I experience this, like when you go to events and these people, like they kind of know you because you put a little bit of your piece of yourself out there. 
um, and you're still the same person in in real life. So um, huge, huge uh, compliment to you on what's what you put online. Yeah. That persona, I guess, of being a good person and kind is is everything I've experienced from you in real life too. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good to hear. And I, I don't, it wouldn't be sustainable if it was anything else. Right. Yeah. Like, right. And and you had mentioned a little bit about how filming and recording has actually become natural for you um, and just like documenting your rides. And we had interviewed Connor O'Brien a few weeks ago, and he had even mentioned that in this last year's long voyage, like, you know, you guys would be riding along and then you whip out your camera and start recording while you're in yeah. the race. <laughs> <laughs> so it truly is uh, very natural for you. So I guess let's just jump into your long voyage experience um, and how this race went for you in 2023. Oh, yeah. So the the, the long voyage was, I, I guess I've only done, that's the only race I've done like that, where, you know, it's an overnight, um, almost 20 hours uh, a race. It's, I'm not, I don't actually have like much experience with that kind of thing. Um, and you done, do and now you've done of, ours twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've done, I do a lot of like long epic rides, but that style of racing is very different from me being like, I'm going to go out and ride 300 miles. Um, be, 300 miles on a road bike, mind you, is all I had done prior. And the comparison between doing 300 miles on a road bike and 300 miles on rolling gravel uh, through, you know, ne Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, the, totally different. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. Yeah, it's, night and day. I would rather night do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think comparatively, it would be easier for me to do double the distance on a road bike. Um, oh, what? really? Or maybe, maybe it's not double. Maybe it's like 1.5 like multiplier or something but you know time wise if i did 20 hours on a road bike i'm usually averaging close to like 19 to 20 miles an hour in in like connecticut so it doesn't you have to think of it more more about time i guess than distance uh that goes to say it's a really hard race and <laughs> i <laughs> both well, actually mostly because of the uh the, the way it's structured overnight that was the hardest thing for me because the first time i did it i thought i don't i didn't i don't know what i, I didn't think about it don't, i'm not going to pretend like i had a whole lot of planning into this i was like i was just gonna try and take a nap and then <laughs> drink a bunch of coffee <laughs> it'll be fine <laughs> uh and i was like falling asleep at the wheel like, <laughs> like on my, i was like on my I don't have arrow bars, but I just like rest my arms on my, uh, on my bars. And I remember the first time I was doing it, I was actually like nodding off. And I used to see, I've seen people doing brevets that kind of fall asleep on the bike. And I like, didn't think that was possible for me until it was possible. Uh, so figuring out how to deal with that was my main, to, to me, my main, um, uh, experience gained from the first one and then learning how to eat better so it's just it, like nothing to do with training i i feel like i feel like fitness wise i was pretty similar but i just learned how to eat right and not fall asleep or not get re not go into the race fatigued the second time i did it and it was a huge night and day difference 
We were, I was actually at the checkpoint, the Branch Doak checkpoint when you came through. Forget how many miles it was until the finish, but you were off the front by quite a ways. And I remember you came up and all the volunteers thought you were like a 75 miler because you came up so chill, so confident. You're like pulling up the different like nutrition brands. You're like, okay, this has this much, you know, calories on the back and just like super easy going. And then you just rode off like it was nothing. And they're like, oh, was that like the 75 guy? And I was like, no, that was the lead 300. And their minds were blown because you were just so chill and so like level headed. It's, you know, I don't know if, if you've raced that race, you know that coming into that checkpoint, you had just ran through the longest like section of peanut butter mud. Uh, <laughs> like maybe it wasn't the longest. It just felt the longest because it was at the end of the race, you know, after all of that. It was a full so mile. It was point, a full mile of I was, like a bike. I was just stoked to be riding my bike again because <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was running through fields and, and mud. And, uh, so that probably had something to do with it. I, I was happy to be back on a segment that didn't, that, yeah, that was pedalable. Um, <laughs> and then one of the things that I, that I learned this past year, this past season was I, I have a good friend, um, Chris Prendergast, who I race road race with. And he comes from a pro um, pro cycling background, and he, I come from a I don't know piece of trash or something. And so like we balance out, <laughs> we meet somewhere in the middle where like I'm like I just ride my bike all the time, and he's like yes, and I have these spreadsheets. And one of the things that I learned from him is the easiest thing about. Nutrition is really easy when you just think about it in terms of uh, grams of carbs. And yep. when I came pull into the, pull, pulled into that rest stop, I was just like, I just looked at the things that were available and just looked at the, how many grams of carbohydrates there were. And I was like, okay, so I need this many, this much of this one and this much of this one. And <laughs> I'll, I'll be good to go because I have this many hours left and I know I need a hundred grams per hour. So it was just like, I just did a little math and, um, and then I realized I had a lot longer to go than the math that I did, so I was really hungry by the end. But <laughs> The fact your brain Besides was the... still functioning at that point, though, was insane. <laughs> like, the fact you could still do math. <laughs> the one thing yeah, I thought – I... The... one of the things I thought was funny of when he was doing the long voyage is, like, we knew – like obviously we had the track leaders going yeah. but like we actually had a better idea of where he was because the fans on instagram right. were like like tagging you like gino's in the lead gino's like <laughs> uh, an hour out and so we were like getting notifications from your fans like where you were just tagging that was hilarious. and we we're like i guess we don't even need to look at track leaders right now because we're getting updates right right you, you definitely had a following that weekend oh man yeah I was getting I was getting notifications on my on my um, computer for a while too, and I I had had them turned off because I had my phone on me. I mean, like I was recording and stuff, um, but I had had my notifications off until the end, and then like I had this swarm of notifications coming in like saying like, like go go like like you have a gap or something like I was just they were just kind of floating in through on in on my um my head unit and it was just the motivation that kept me pushing I was like crap they're watching I have to keep going <laughs> if I blow up or fail now <laughs> oh my gosh is there one like specific thing that stands out um from the actual race that like 
a difficult part besides the mud section or something that like a really high or really big low um, from from the three hundred. Oof. Um, one of the one of the highest points for me, I guess, was just when we fell into our little the nighttime group. With you, Connor, Matt, maybe Matt, Matt, Stevens, maybe I think it was Matt. Yeah, Matt Stevens, Connor, and. Oh no! Oh, who's the other one? Oh, Josh. Oh, Josh. Josh. Joshua Lundgren. Yeah. Josh. That's what Connor uh, said too. Mm-hmm. Connor said that was his favorite part of the whole weekend was just riding with. Yeah. Was like it didn't feel like we were racing. He's like <laughs> we were just four dudes like chatting and having a good time. And that you guys all were like taking turns with poles. It wasn't like one person was off the yeah. front the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It, we had like by that point we had sort of attacked each other and felt each other felt each other out enough that like we knew we weren't getting away from each other at this point in the race and you just sort of you know virtually shake hands like and hang out for a while and not for a while for (laughs) for like eight hours uh for a very long time and that is one of the things that the style of racing generates that no other style of racing does Hmm. and Part of it's because you're in smaller groups, um, and, and part of it's because it's at night. So it's, it's, you don't have a lot of things to look at or distract you besides each other. And so we sort of told each other our, our life stories about where we're from and uh, why we're here and a little bit of bike talk just about training and whatnot. But honestly, it was just four, four dudes having a conversation every now and then and it's like it's awkward because you can't have the conversation very fast because you're sitting together for hours so it's it was like little blurbs here and there 30 minutes later here like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's that was really nice I, like i really that was like, like that mostly throughout the, the night right like from basically like the like my house checkpoint in Iowa, like almost to the Nebraska border, right? Like you guys rode, or was it clear into Nebraska even? It was clear. Yeah. Back into Nebraska. Wow. Even Yeah. For a couple hours into Nebraska, we were still together, just hanging out, making the wrong turns together every now and then. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, a, a low was, was definitely now that I'm remembering that, like coming, coming back into Nebraska, that's when we got hit with the rainstorm. Mm. And, I was packed pretty light because forecast was, I did have a rain slick and it was obviously really warm. Right before, I don't know if you remember, but or yep. people won't remember, but it was really hot when we started that race. Like it, yeah, was, it was in like, yeah. almost a hundred, almost a hundred degrees when you started. Yeah. And the days prior it was like 105 and then the temperatures at night were slowly going down and down and then it rained on us. And I, I was like, um, like shaking, violently shaking at, at one point, like uncontrollably because I set my, like my body temperature, I guess like suddenly dropped and I put on all of the clothing that I had and I was like still shaking and I started getting distance from the group because like all my energy was going into shaking and I was like, oh wow, I did not think this was how I was going to go out. Um, and 
I have no idea how I came out of that. But suddenly, but suddenly, I guess I warmed up enough and I like caught back up in the group. I don't know if they even noticed, but I was I was getting dropped um, a little after the rain because I was so cold and shivering. Oh, wow. And that's crazy. Yeah. We, so then I just once you warmed like up, you were able to like get your your life back together, and then you, I mean, because you like gapped by over an hour to second place at one point or by the end. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. The the ups and downs of races that long are crazy because there was multiple times where, and I, I've talked to other people too, they have this too, they're like, I was going to quit here and, and at this point, and then I didn't, and then and then I thought I was going to quit again. And so there's all these points where you're like, I definitely can't go any farther now. And then you just put every, you put that on hold for a little bit and in 20 minutes, you're a new person. And that, that's maybe something to learn about these races is that don't trust yourself in the moment. Wait X amount of time, 10, 20 minutes and see how you feel because uh, the body and the brain have are really uh, combative with each other during events like that. That's like Tina, like Tina, Tina who won the women's long voyage. She almost like called it at mile 15 because she was like struggling and like the heat had gotten to her and she said the same thing it's like sometimes you just gotta keep keep trying one pedal at a time. one pedal at a time that's really cool um the other thing i really uh wanted to point out too that i i really liked uh and i'm not really surprised uh but when after you finished you got your champagne shower all that and uh, we celebrated uh, but you stayed around and you hung out because your your wife was also doing the long voyage and she ended up finishing, which was her longest ride ever, and she got fourth overall. Um, but it was just really cool uh, to to watch you be there to support her. And and um, when she finished, it wasn't about you at all. It was about her finish. Like it, it was really really special to witness. But um, yeah, what like well, how does that make like to get to do a race like that with with your wife? Um, hold on, I'm like getting choked up thinking about it. But, um, yeah, it was way more important than, than winning. Like when we, when actually, so a funny story from that moment was like days later, I don't know why we were talking about it, but she was like, oh, but you, you left, went back, like you got to go, go home and shower and then come back to the event and see my finish. I was like. No, I just sat on the ground for like four hours waiting for you. <laughs> She's like, "Wait, really?" I was like, "You don't remember me? Like, still covered in covered in uh, mud and like my head with my kit on?" She's like, "No, I don't." <laughs> that's just that's how cracked we both were. Like, yeah. she didn't even remember that I ran up and like in my clip shoes, still like covered in mud. Um, and so then she like went and looked at the time difference, and she was like, "Yeah, you, oh, you were you waited for like four hours?" I was like, "Yeah." I, I couldn't get myself to leave because as soon as I finished, like the mo- most important thing was watching her tracker and we, we texted a little bit too when she was, when she was riding and just making sure she was like, okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was like, that was a really, it was really cool to start with her. You know, we both race our bikes and they're just 
few to zero races that we like, go to the start line together and actually get to like ride for for a while together. And she had she had the same thing that I guess all of us felt where at some point she was going to quit. And I wish she was here to, to describe it, but early on in the race, she was like just completely cramped up because she couldn't get her bottles out of her uh out of her frame because her bag was packed her frame bag was packed so tight with the food and stuff that she didn't feel comfortable like moving it out of the way and pulling the bottles out because they were so like wedged in there and so she ended up drinking a bunch of maple syrup out of her camelback and it just like completely dehydrated her and so she um for the first like five or six hours of the race, she was just like, in this zone of wanting to die, <laughs> as she oh described it. And and then it's funny because if you replay the tracker, you can you can see it. It she was just got way behind everyone. And at a certain point, I think at the first rest stop, when she was able to get some water and restructure her bottle a little bit, um, she just starts passing everyone. She went from like absolute last place to where she ended up finishing it for no way just are you serious through the night oh, yeah. yeah like passing everyone <laughs> she, she got within she got within um a couple miles of second place at one point what and wow. then, that is so cool yeah and then and then her computer lost the route or it, it never loaded fully so she was within the last 20 miles or so of the race and she lost directions her her wahoo was like you're done oh. <laughs> and she's oh, like no no i definitely i'm definitely not and so she was like, at an intersection alone and just like stood there like i don't know which way to go and um so she ended up she was in third at that point and uh ended up being passed sort of while she was lost trying to reorient. And this, at this time I was texting her, she was texting me and I was texting her. Like I was sitting on the, sitting on the ground, um, like waiting for her to cross. And she was telling me all this. And I was like, I was like, (laughs) I don't know what, just keep going. Like I was trying to like look up roads on Google maps and tell her like what, what the name of the road is. This is a, it's a dirt road. It's like advanced <laughs> old school cue cards, right. like with yeah, text yeah. though. <laughs> like, that's cool. Well, not only did she, you know, get fourth, but it was her longest ride ever, right? Yeah, she's never she's never done anything this long. Like I was saying, she's done. A, she did a lot of road rides for training, but and she got close in mileage, like two hundred something mile road rides, but the time it takes to do a 200 mile road ride versus this is not comparable. So she rode for 24 hours straight in. Oh, wow. In, wow. To, to finish the 300. And. Oh yeah. I have never she, done she, that. She finished so that in is... like, <laughs> she, she finished in like 2345 or something. Like it was right at 24 hours, yeah. which is so insane. Um, yeah. It, I mean, and, you're you're kind of like almost saying what's another thing that's great about gravel is like you both feel equally as accomplished even though you won the race like and she did really well nothing against like but like that you have the same connection to the person that got last place because you did something crazy yeah. hard 
Um, and you kind of said it there, like you've never rode 24 hours. She has. Uh, so it's like yeah. almost sometimes more impressive. The people that come in last or are at the back of the pack because they're never, they're not giving up and they're wow. spending, they're still pedaling out there. It's not like they're just sitting yeah. out there for an extra four or five hours. Um, they're going through it too. So um, thanks for saying that. That's yeah, really the, cool. The, the, I, we, as we were watching people come in, Rebecca and I just thinking about like, well, like, oh, that is a 300 miler plate as we're like leaving the, like leaving the venue, like hours later, I'm like, holy, the tenacity that it takes to, and determination it takes to, to do that is right. insane. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it's something I have, I, I'm like what Becca did even, I'm not sure I could do that. And so yeah. it's, I'm incredibly uh, humbled by her accomplishment and everyone else. I think Corey, that... Corey went out and he stayed for, uh, went back out for the, the very last person, like technically, technically didn't get a time there on our results, but I think it was mm. like 4am the next day. Like the sun was out the next mo- like Sunday morning. Yeah. So they start Friday night. They rode all Friday night, all day, Saturday, all su- Saturday night. And I'm sure they took like ditch naps and stuff, but like yeah. never give like never giving up like that's that's super super rad changing gears a little bit you actually live in germany now are there any aspects of riding in germany that you miss from riding in the u.s or sorry any aspects that you miss from the u.s when you live in germany um hills yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so flat here and there are regions of Germany that aren't. It's just in Berlin where I am, it's it's really, really flat. And I've come to just style my riding a bit differently, I guess. So I've just been pushing road rides at like 22 to 24 miles an hour average speed because it's so flat that I can just <laughs> rip. Like I can go so far in such a short amount of time that it's it's fun, but it's... I do really miss like the New England hills um, and the variety that that terrain variety. Um, and then besides that, I I don't know the this is my first time living in the city. Oh, okay. so, interesting. Like like a, like a city proper. So yeah. being that's an adaptation in cycling because I'm a, a bike commuter. So bike commuting in a city. And then the whole junk miles, as a lot of city people call it, like uh, the those miles that it takes to get to the good riding, I'm starting to become more and more accustomed to that. Uh, so getting out of the city, you have to block in a solid half hour time or whatever until you get to where you want to, where you can really start riding nice stuff. And I'm used to just rolling out of bed and like being in beautiful Connecticut roads. So I miss that. I miss that proximity it, to great roads. It's got to be pretty bike friendly though, right? Yeah, it it is and it isn't. And so the, there's a lot of infra- a lot more infrastructure here mm. in Germany and in Berlin for cyclists, but I'm I've been told compared to a lot of other countries in Europe, Berlin is quite poor. And coming from the U.S., I'm like, but there's bike lanes at all. What do you mean? <laughs> like, this is great, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, apparently it gets a lot better in, in some other countries. Apparently France has some really beautiful bike infrastructure. Obviously the Netherlands is, is um, famously great bike infrastructure, but for a cyclist that's know, trying to train and like ride hard and, and stuff, bike lanes are slightly irrelevant. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't go 40 kilometers per hour in a bike, in a bike lane with kids and dogs on it. You, you, you take the regular road. And one of the things that I'm learning in Berlin is that there's a huge, uh, contest between drivers and oh, cyclists no. that aren't using, aren't using the bike lane. There's, there's a lot of yeah animosity there because they're like, so, so we're allowed to use the regular road with our bike, but, uh, legally I should say, but there's bike lanes pretty much everywhere. Germany has bike lanes everywhere. And so cars feel, I think a little bit more justified in being angry at you when you're in the road. Even if I'm like doing the speed limit, they don't like sharing the road because there is that option. And in the U S like there's no other option. So cars yeah. can still get angry with you, but it's not like, yeah, it's not like there's that justified feeling like we have someplace else we could go. Well, that, that sounds really interesting, uh, over there in Europe, you know, like getting, getting around, but like it also opens up a lot of opportunities for you. And I'm, I'm excited to see, um, like what the future holds for you over there. And I hope, uh, do you have real quick, do you have like plan, what's your racing plans for 2024 look like? Are they a lot of European base? Or are we going to see you back in Lincoln maybe to defend that title? Um, there, there's, I'm learning a little bit of a gravel scene here. I'm going to be mostly doing gravel because I'm trying to work on, uh, renewing a contract with Chinelli to, to support me again with gravel bikes and with the focus on gravel, European gravel is, is really interesting. Uh, I've posted some videos and I'll continue to post videos, but the gravel scene here is really cool in, su in such a different way than it is in the U S but yeah, a lot of European gravel. And then in the summer, I am trying to put together plan one trip back where I can do a couple races, maybe one or two races. And, uh, at least in the plans at the moment would be coming to Nebraska. <laughs> and All doing, right. And, and All I right. I convince Becca again, but we <laughs> sort of started talking about like coming back that in that time frame and trying to do, trying to do gravel worlds again. Well, have, um, maybe maybe she just like, does the just the one fifty next year. Yeah, <laughs> I I think she she's pretty stubborn. I think she, if she does it, she would have to do. <laughs> she might just be like, I yeah, I need to do the three hundred again. But get yeah, that podium, I'll, uh, man. I'll I mean, if she was doing that well, updated. like if she had nutrition down from the beginning, like she would have been at the front. Yeah. You know, like yeah, good good competition. Well, cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time on uh, this lovely Saturday. Uh, especially with the time change, it's probably evening there, right? Or close to? Four uh, p.m. Yeah, we're. It's five p.m. here. Five p.m. Yeah. So. Five p.m. Yeah. Thanks for uh, letting us have uh, a little bit of a of your of your Sunday. So I really appreciate it. But um, also, Gino, yeah. like. Like I said a few times in here, uh, I, it's been fun to get to know you off of TikTok. Uh, you're a really good dude and uh, always so positive and encouraging on 
on on what you do online and to other people that you're around. So thank you so much for being a part of our community. Uh, really appreciate you. But before we go, Sophia always has one more question. Yes. So Gino, what does the Gravel family mean to you? Um, places to sleep in the Midwest when I want to come ride gravel bikes with y'all. <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> joking, but like not joking. Because <laughs> honestly, like <laughs> being able to feel at home out, out there is like half the reason I love coming out. And like, like Tim, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, like I've, you know, bummed beds and, it, bumming a bed is like really underselling. It's really just like immediate connection to proper family whenever I'm like, yeah, traveling for traveling to, to ride gravel bikes. And I think that's the most important part to me is that community. What a cool answer. I love it. Uh, go figure a very unique answer for you, for you, Gino. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being on. And I can't wait till our paths cross again. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. I'm Gino. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 